Hello, this is Zach Martin, editor of Regarding ID magazine. Welcome to another edition of the Regarding ID podcast. Today we're speaking with Dan Combe, CEO at the eCitizen Foundation and member of the Harvard Policy Group, Leadership for a Networked World. Dan is leading the current drafting work that may lead to a U.S. standard for identity proofing and vetting. But before we dive in, first, a word from our sponsor. Whether you are protecting a critical infrastructure or vital information, or securing a facility or border, you need to answer the same question. In the modern world of identities, how do you establish with absolute certainty that someone is who they claim to be? At CSC, we understand that the heart of identity management is the creation of trusted identities. For more information, go to csc.com slash identity management. CSC, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Standards for verifying identity vary from state to state. There are hundreds of types of birth certificates in circulation, and state driver's license issuers tend to use different standards when issuing IDs. The North American Security Products Organization, or NASPO, is leading an effort that would create a national standard for identity vetting. Dan is going to fill us in on the effort and how it relates to other projects underway. Thanks for joining us today, Dan. Tell me about the process that you guys are going through in creating this um, identity proofing and vetting standard. Zach, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, we uh, the the process started um, several years ago. Uh, we've been through um, oh, a variety of different uh, work on related related efforts around identity proofing and um, and verification. We finally got uh, over the last year actually started a drafting process to create a standard that is now called Identity Proofing and, uh, and Verification. And we are now in a process. We have created the consensus group, uh, a, oh, 30 or 40 uh, different organizations have come together to um, participate in various ways in the, um, in the consensus group. And there is a subgroup of that, which is uh, all volunteers, of course, uh, that have um, uh, taken on the task of actually drafting a standard for review uh, by the consensus group. That process is going on now. We started this a few weeks ago, and we're now holding weekly teleconferences to draft a, uh, a standard, a straw standard for the rest of the group to review and comment on, provide edits for. And the, the weekly meetings will go on probably for some time, but we're leading up to a meeting in January when the consensus group will come back together, uh, meet in Atlanta, and we're being hosted by the LexisNexis folks there. They've, provided, they've made their facility available for us to meet. You know, can you give me an idea of what kind of timeline you guys are looking at and what this will eventually lead to? The, um, um, the group, uh, we, we met... In the Washington, D.C. area in, uh, oh, I believe it was in September, if I remember right. And uh, um, the, the whole group, that, while there were concerns about, about the, the timeline we proposed, the group was, was pretty strongly in favor of moving as quickly as possible. Um, normally, you know, my, my understanding is that normally these, these efforts take about 18 months or so. Uh, lot, there's lots of review. There's mm-hmm. a public review process after the consensus group gives its gives its approval, um, and so these stretch out for for quite some time. 
Um, the group wanted to move faster because there are a number of things happening, uh, both in legislation and in, in other efforts, um, that could, could really benefit from a standard being published and, and adopted. Um, and so the group wants to move it faster. We're trying to condense the, the effort to a total of about a year or so, and that's a very aggressive, aggressive effort. So after you guys, you know, get done with the standard, you know, you're hoping to get in a year, which would put it around September, October of 2011? Is that what? Yes. Okay. And so after that, your work is going to go to, uh, going to potentially become a standard that people would use for ID verification and proofing for different sorts of credentials, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and and what, what will happen is that the, the consensus group, will, the, the drafting group does its work. Um, we expose it to the consensus group. They provide their comments and edits. Um, and then there's a, um, a, a several months, it may be, I don't know, four to six months, I can't remember exactly, uh, that, the, that the proposed standard is released for public comment. And so then anyone anywhere really can comment on it and provide information. And we, the the consensus group then has to dispose of um, the all of the comments. And so in some way or another, we have to deal with um, all of the comments that come in, um, either adopting and thus rewriting or editing the the document, or in some other way um, saying either no, we don't adopt it, or no, we don't uh, we. We read it. We considered it. We did. We didn't act on it. So, okay. You know, different different ways that those can be disposed of. The work that you guys are doing is potentially going to impact some of the other things going on out there, right? Can you give me an idea of what are some of those other initiatives happening out there? Well, there's um, one of the big things that's going on now is the uh, U.S. federal government's effort uh, to create NSTIC is the short NSTIC National Strategy for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is uh, an effort to create a, a, a – essentially the title is pretty descriptive, a national strategy for doing identity, um, at least in the, in the online world. Uh, there's, it's becoming a somewhat artificial distinction, you know, online, offline, because the, the two are so tightly interwoven and intermixed that a lot of the work that gets done in cyberspace will also affect what happens in the physical world. So, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of crossover. Uh, the one of the um, parts, pieces, components of of the NSTIC is uh, the intent of the of the U.S. federal government to be more involved, more active, more supportive of standards efforts. And uh, uh, oh, and th- this tends to be a relatively small community of people who work on these issues, and so there's a lot of crossover between the uh, different efforts. And some of the same people who have been working on the NSTIC and developing that concept for the U.S. federal government have also been, uh, have recognized the need um, uh, for an identity uh, proofing standard. And so they've been supporting this effort, and it's expected that, or I expect, I, I can't really speak for, for others that much, but I expect that um, in various ways, uh, the the U.S. federal government, some of the U.S. federal government agencies will either um, directly or indirectly support the development of the effort. Uh, some people have been able to attend meetings, either officially or unofficially, and they've been been helping by providing us information. And of course, the people who who are involved in this effort, uh, an awful lot of them have either been involved in uh, the development of 
of other identity management documents and systems, um, such as the U.S. federal government's um, NIST, 863 and that series of, of intellectual property that has set some of the groundwork for uh, for identity management. And there's some also some healthcare stuff going on that, that that is kind of looking at you guys and seeing what's going on with Kentara Initiative as well. Absolutely, there are some of us who are working on a project. Uh, my organization, the Citizen Foundation, is working in conjunction with uh, the Kentara Initiative Health Identity Assurance Work Group. Okay. Uh, to develop a project, it's uh, we are at the moment. The working title is um, Health ID uh, Portal, and it's a pilot project. To we we essentially want to create a model, um, saying that using as much as possible existing technology process um, and information, whether that's standards or documentation or whatever, that you can actually do identity management in a healthcare environment. Uh, we are focusing on meeting uh, meaningful use requirements, and that's a defined term um, in in the healthcare space. Um, we we want to be able to use um, the the intellectual property that's been developed under the Kintara Initiative and other other um, efforts to say you can do identity management. You can figure out who the who the players are, whether they're the doctors, the providers, the healthcare people, or whether they're patients. You can do identity management, and then you can conduct the, uh, the, the meaningful use transactions that are identified under ERA, the uh, Recovery and Reinvestment Act. Okay. And this, this then leads to um, the, a number of the initiatives that are, being, um, that are either catalyzing changes, change over to the use of electronic health records, uh, the development of the state-based health information exchanges, or health benefit exchanges. All of these kind of rely on this same, you know, this core infrastructure, or should rely on a core infrastructure, rather than having hundreds of point solutions to, to, to do this. I guess the message I would um, send to listeners is that the, if they have an interest in, in any of these parts or pieces, um, please jump in. Uh, you know, many hands make the load lighter, so it's you know, if if there are people who have expertise or interest, uh, please contact. You can contact either me or you know, I'm sure Zach. You'll be able to you know provide them the contact information to to get to us, and we'd welcome more participation. Well, Dan, I'd like to uh, thank you for joining us on the latest edition of the Guardian ID podcast. You bet. Glad to be here. <laughs>